0: BLOB TALK RADIO Good evening everybody and welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew with Spencer Cowan here tonight As we talk about the NASCAR All-Star Race, we'll recap that, discuss Chase Elliott's big win there We'll also talk about who was fast and who really didn't even show up Also the Open, which was probably the more interesting race of the two Definitely had a more interesting uh, moment in the race We'll discuss that as well. We'll also talk about the lights underneath the cars, the the numbers that are moved back. Also, the choose co- the choose rule. We'll discuss that as well. How we think all that went, and uh, we'll also preview um, this weekend's races at Texas Motor Speedway. Cowbush is in all three races this weekend, so something to keep an eye on here. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. That is the number to call here tonight. I'm talking in circles, so let's get right down to it. It was the All Star race. We'll do the All Star race first. We'll sort of work backwards. We'll talk about the All Star race first, and we'll go to the open. Um, but it was Chase Elliott and Victor Lane. He really dominated. You know, won uh, stages two, three, and then he he won the uh, he finally won uh, the last stage there and took home the million dollars in a universe, Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet. But so, what were your thoughts on uh, Chase Elliott's victory there? He sort of he really dominated. Got out front, and once he got out front in the clean air, nobody could touch him.
1: Yeah, old old Clyde went and uh, put a whooping on him. Uh, the Melliots aren't known for doing stuff on short tracks, but uh, uh, Chase went out there last night and uh, put uh, proved that wrong. Uh, that nine car was on a, was in a different stratosphere basically after the first 50 laps. He after that first segment, Blaney won that segment. Uh, the the nine uh, the nine ended up. Uh, being the fastest car out there and he was literally the one Chevy that really uh, was good uh, across the board. Um, Byron we'll talk about later but um, I mean you gotta give credit they, they'd been scuffling a little bit. He mentioned that in his post-race interview they'd been struggling recently uh, they were you, we talked about it on the show on Monday in terms of Um, how Hendrick's kind of taken a step back in recent weeks. And, you know, you look at Bowman, he was up there for a little bit. And then, of course, Chase, um, it's something to look at when you consider what they need to do to um, put themselves in position to contend for a championship, especially Chase, because he's the guy. Um, When it comes to Hendrick Motorsports, if they're going to win a championship here, at least for this year, and highly likely for um, future years um, for him to go and stand out as uh, their lead dog. Um, him getting an all-star win, the Elliots keeping it in the family as the only family, only people that have ever won all-star races outside of Charlotte. Um, I mean, we'll probably talk about some of the other stuff within the race, but um, credit to them. Uh, Blaney was really the only other car that had that had anything all night. Um, Kyle Bush mm-hmm. tried to make the high line work there. Him and Brad were like two of the only people that are trying to make the high line work. Didn't have enough time. Uh stages were too short. No practice. So um it is what it is. Chase Elliott, most popular driver, uh, went and uh won at Bristol in front of the fans and was high fiving doing a whole bit. He went up there and was co-mingling with his people as well during the Open. So uh, we'll see what happens with that.
0: Yeah, it was an interesting uh, race just because you brought it up, uh, Philip Delaney was probably one of the It was the only one that really had anything for Chase Elliott, I should say. And, Spencer, you were critical of, of not pitting there uh, when they decided not to pit there. I believe it was the end of Stage 3. He, uh, at the end of stage two, I'm sorry, to, to keep his uh, track position, and he didn't pit there, and it really cost him. Ended up, uh, he ended up, I think, finishing um, the open in the sixth position. He led 72 laps, but really it was uh, to me that the three fastest cars were Elliott Blaney and, and Kizlowski or Hamlin were, were really the other two that were really fast. Harvick had a pretty good night as well, um, but you know, those two really stood out as far as Elliott and Blaney. Uh, what were your thoughts on Blaney's night there, Spencer?
2: Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, starting off the race, you would have thought that he was um, probably the one to beat. And he was still one to beat. I mean, like you mentioned, him and the nine were the class to field all day. They were the only two that led laps besides Bowman with two, and Harvick with six. So, I mean, you take away those two, they dominated the whole race between the Chevy and the Ford. So, um yeah, I don't. I don't know quite. I mean, I understand track position, but it, I mean, you got to have some faith in your pit crew. I mean, you know, they're Team Penske guys. They're, um, you know, they're well capable of getting them, you know, a good pit stop and out front. Um, but really, once he did that, his night was over. I mean, you're 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 not going to pit and then, you know, there at the you're going to stay out front. You're going to st- try to stay the lead. Yeah, I know it's a short track, but you still need tires. Um, and it, it showed. I mean that that last restart or whatever it was, with 15 to go, the final stage, I guess, um, he, he had no shot. He took off slow, couldn't get going, and, you know, that was the result of his finish. So, um, honestly, if the final stage was any more laps than 15, he probably would have finished worse than six. So, um, I don't know what, um, his, uh, what his crew chief is thinking on top of the pit box, but uh, I, it's definitely not a call I would have made, that's for sure. But other than that, I thought, you know, he had an, another – fast race car and, and I think that twelve team's gonna to continue to bring fast race cars. But uh yeah, as far as the Blaney deal, that was um uh, mm, Blackbuster call if you ask me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was a tough call and, and track position is so essential was so essential last night. And it's something we you know, we don't think about with Bristol, but what we have to keep in mind of as far as what the last race there compared to this one was this one was so short. You know, and The stages are so short, so there was and there was no left traffic. There was only 20 cars on the track instead of 40, so that was a lot different. And you know, once the leader got out in clean air, he was gone. So Blaney, um, I think, you know, on those older tires, they looked at at that point and said, "Well, right now, track position." Then they realized I think everybody was going to stay out in stage three, and they realized they were kind of screwed. But listen, it was a it was a situation where you looked at it and you said, "Um, "I I think they can." you know, stay out and try and make the best of it. But unfortunately for them, it it didn't work that way. Uh, To me, the race overall was a little lackluster. I felt like the tire was built for more longer runs than it was short runs. Uh, I didn't think the top lane came in at all. And, you know, at the end of the day, I just feel like, you know, it was the first time ever we ran it out of place First, not first time ever, but first time since 1987 we ran at anywhere else but Charlotte, and there were some drilling pains. I don't know if the stages were the right length. Um, I thought the open was tremendous, but I, I felt like the the actual main event was was kind of weird. Um, you know, it was definitely a different atmosphere because it wasn't a jam packed crowd like we normally see at Charlotte. They didn't do anything fancy with driver introductions, uh, so it was a little bit different atmosphere at Bristol. But overall, Philip, what were your thoughts on on the racing? of the all-star race Uh, before we dive into other guys who might've had a good night or other guys who struggled, what was your overall feel on that all-star race um, and what you thought about it uh, for the first time being at Bristol and and first time being anywhere but Charlotte since
1: 1986? Clayton, I was, honestly, we talked about it, you know, earlier, we had a long discussion and uh, I was disappointed Um, I was hoping for a lot better. I I figured, based on what we had seen, um, uh, whatever, I guess it was six weeks ago, that there would be a much better race. Uh, They Between uh, any number of things, I mean, Harvick came out and said Bristol didn't do a good job in terms of prepping the track, where they put PJ1, the fact they need to put PJ1, um, which is its own in, in separate discussion. Um, bad year, bringing a tire that doesn't fall off because they don't want blowouts, so it's so hard you don't even have to change them. Um, it, it was disappointing. There really wasn't a whole lot going on. It reminded me of a 550 race, and that's what they had at, at Bristol... Um, last year, but then it was 500 laps and you're able to work the high line. They made the high line completely non-drivable because that's what they've had. They they insist on doing now because Bruton Smith went and destroyed Bristol. Um, I mean, I was just disappointed. I, I thought it would be a much better race. They were talking about arrow push and arrow loose. And mm-hmm. fundamentally, when you're talking about races that are that short, the stages are that short um you missed an opportunity honestly uh, across the board between the cars, the way the cars are set up when the 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 way the track was set up, all the things you had going for you, you really could have had something good there um also, with the PR, which NASCAR is not great with, and they're hanging other people out to dry, um, they they didn't really do good with that either. Um, it was a miss. there was definitely a missed opportunity, in in my opinion. Um, unless you're a Chase fan, uh, it's fine. Yeah. Like, missed opportunity.
0: Yeah, and I I think you know Kevin Harvick's comments were very critical at the end of the race. I was actually kind of surprised he had a lot to say. But, you know, he was very critical about the top lane not um, coming in at all. He said, you know, we, we kind of had problems. You know, one lane was it, when, and Chase Elliott hit it, and then he pulled away. And, and I think, you know, we kind of took for granted what we saw there last time in the 500-lap mile five hundred race at Bristol where we sat there and said, oh, you know, it's going to be a good race. There's going to be uh, lap traffic. There's You know, the heat's going to come into the race to play, and then, you know, both lanes are going to be really, really good. Uh, and it didn't look that way. I felt the open benefited too from maybe being a little bit warmer in the in the afternoon, um, and it seemed like everything was was just a little bit more racier in the open. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, but Spencer, I want to get your overall thoughts on the night. I know, um, you know, I was look I was really looking forward to this race. I had a lot of anticipation because I feel like the all star race at Bristol is something we've kind of been, um, you know we've kind of been touting an all-star race somewhere else other than Charlotte. And here we go. We get it to Bristol. And for me, it let me down a little bit. What were your thoughts?
2: I mean, I guess you could say it was better than Charlotte. I mean, um, it's short track racing. It's obviously better than a, just the a generic uh, mile and a half racetrack. Um, and yeah, I was really looking forward to it. Um, I thought it was a pretty good race. Uh, I mean, we I mean, we could sit here and, Like I just said, we could be watching Charlotte, um, which isn't always the best race. So, um, you know, those races tend to get strung out and I felt like, you know, we were at a short track race, short track, um, under the lights, Um, you know, it was the first time at Bristol. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it was awful, but it was, you know, it definitely could have been better. I do agree with both you guys. Um, But, all in all, it was okay. Um, I would, I if I would have bought a ticket to go to the race, I wouldn't be disappointed. I think I would have got my money's worth. Um, I think it was good enough to where they're not going back to Charlotte for a while. Um, and that's my opinion. You know, just because I think um, the fans really enjoyed it, and NASCAR is going to, you would well, let me back up. NASCAR should do what the fans um, say because they're the ones you know paying to go to the races, whether or not they listen to them. That's that's their that's their uh, that's their deal. So, um if I was NASCAR I wouldn't take it back to Charlotte. I would keep it at Bristol or I would move it to another racetrack, like I said, you know, a month ago when we found out this was happening. Um, you know, move it, you know, like the M L B all Star game. It's in a different field every year. Um, keep it in that mm-hmm. small tight knit, you know, owned by the Brun racetracks. Um, So yeah, I you know if they do it at Bristol again, I'm still going to be happy that it's not Charlotte. Just and uh, that's not dogging Charlotte just because that race tended to get a little boring. So um, yeah, it definitely could have been a little bit better, but uh, I'm not going to sit here and say it was the worst.
0: To me, the biggest problem was there was no drama in the middle of that race, and you know there was nothing to you know when Ryan Blaney won the first stage, he didn't get anything for it. When Chase Elliott won stages two and three, he didn't get anything for it, and. You know, we're used to seeing that now, where you get some points. And I'm not saying we should have points there because it's a non-points event. And I think that's totally okay. But maybe give them, you know, a thing where you sit there and you say, "Hey, um, if you win uh, a stage, you get fifty thousand dollars." And you know, maybe invert them after the first stage or after stage two. I do think we need to tweak the, the laps, and I think that was kind of something people expected a little bit. Was kind of the tweak the format. Uh, this format was co- sort of a a you know, let's see how it goes kind of deal, because we've never run it at a short track before, so we didn't really get the feel of how that race was going to go. Um, I do think it, three three stages might be enough, you know, an invert after, you know, a, a first, I don't know, 75, 80-lap first stage, and then you invert the guys, and then you see them run through the field. It would have been a lot more interesting that way to me, um, and that's something we need to work on for next year. But to me, that was the biggest problem with this race was in the middle of the state of, of it where – you're trying to 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 really f- figure out what's going on. Nothing's really. Ha- There's no really incentive for these guys to go up there and run. Now track posi- position was huge, and to keep and get track position was a big deal. But you know, I would like to see them if they said, hey, you know, we'll give you fifty grand for winning stage two or a hundred thousand dollars for winning stage two. Um, you know, those guys might have fought a little bit harder, or they would have said, you know, we'll, we won't take tires here in stage one, or. You know, if they inverted them, it would have been just completely different. It would have been a lot more fun to watch. I feel like that's something we got away from. You know, we went a bit worried about the stuff with the doors and the lights, and we'll get to all that in a second. And we really didn't focus on the actual racing itself. And I feel like if we focused on the racing itself at Bristol and really helped the show out a little bit here, it would have been a lot better. So that's something we can work on um, moving forward. But, you know, throughout the night there was guys who ran good, guys who struggled, and really it was kind of – it was, you had your really top five or six guys who were really fast. I feel like Chase Elliott, Kyle Bush, we saw get up there at the end, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, and, and Ryan Blaney. Those guys were really, really fast. Bowman had flashes. Um, Marolo had flashes, especially when he advanced, and so we'll talk about that. But the rest of the field was sort of in the middle uh, of everything. And then you had the guys towards the way back. And, you know, I'll, I'll lead it with Spencer since I started the last two topics with, with Philip. Um, Spencer, was there somebody who really stood out to you who um, had a good night that you said, hey, they really had a good night and I was kind of surprised to see? Or vice versa, you know, was there somebody who who really stood out to you who didn't have a good night and you expected a lot more from? uh, What was that driver that really stood out to you, either good or bad?
2: Um. I would probably go Brad. Um, you know, I thought he had a really good night, stayed up there all night. Um, you know, battled with Kyle Busch there for quite a few laps, wouldn't let him by. His car was really good off on the high lane off, uh, exiting. Um, was really able to get a run. Um, yeah, I know it's Brad. He, you know, he's a champion, but I really thought that he had a really good race car. Um, I thought it was, I thought he had a good night. Um, you know, I don't. his car wasn't as good as the 12 or the 9, but I think if he, um, you know, got up there, he might have could have stayed up there if he got up there at the end and maybe could have pulled something off. Um, but uh, I thought that he was a guy that, you know, was, you know, you didn't really see him fall to the back. He just stayed right there. He was solid. Um, so he brought a pretty good piece. And um, as and far as, you know, bad, I would probably say Clint. Um, I would expect him to do a little bit more, you know, short track guy. Um, finishing 15th, um, you know, there's only 20 cars. So, you know, you finish 15th, you know, you did pretty bad. It was not a good night for you. Uh, so, you know, these teams, they spend all this money to bring this race car down. And, you know, I know they you want to go for the million bucks, but, um, you know, if you don't really win this thing, it's a kind of waste. Even if you do win this thing, you know, we always mention that a million dollars isn't much to these race teams, and it's not. Let's face it, these guys are – um, have tons of money. So, you know, if you don't really come out and win this thing, it's, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's exposure for your sponsors. But then yet again, you kind of like, uh, why did we do this thing? And you, we built the race car and we could of saved that car for something else. So uh, that was a guy that I thought would have ran a little bit better.
0: Yeah, no, that's not a bad choice. I mean, he was a fan vote winner. And, and again, we'll, I said we'll talk about the uh, Open in a little bit. Uh, but I will say this, the guys who advanced from the open, if you w- are not watching um, stage one and the first stage was Eric Amarillo who did a really good job. He was dominant in that first stage in the open. Uh, and then the second stage winner was William Byron. And then you had of course Matthew Benedetto sort of what they would call quote unquote winning uh, the open winning stage three and advancing Clint Borg got the fan vote. So those are four guys that advanced. Um, how about you Philip, on your side of things? I mean, First of all, Kozlowski is a very good pick from Spencer, and he seems he always seems like that guy where, and I hope I don't he doesn't think this is as an insult, but it doesn't seem like that two car has the best speed all the time. But they always seem to be in the mix. They always seem to be in the top five. where you sit there and go, man, Brad really didn't have. He wasn't leading. He wasn't up there. But sure enough, he was in the mix. He was in the in, you know fighting fighting his way out to a to a solid fourth place run. Brad always seems to be that be in there. Uh, but what was your thoughts on 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 who ran good and who might have struggled for you? The two guys that really stood out to you as far as good and bad, Philip.
1: Yeah, I mean, you brought up, I mean, Spencer, you and uh, you as well, Clayton. You know, when it comes to Brad, you look at what they did six weeks ago. He wasn't up there. He led a lot of laps, but he wasn't in a position to win. And he kind of played he was able to benefit from what happened and end up winning that race. He's won there three times at Bristol. Um, he's never won the all-star race. He's continued. He still hasn't won the all-star race, but he was up there all night. Um, he had issues, um, with the arrow and all that Penske's the, the, the 22 and the two weren't as good as the 12. Um, but Hey, it is what it is with that. Um, I would I would definitely give in terms of a positive. I definitely would give a positive to Eric Almirola, the way they've been running this last, last six weeks. Um, you know, you talk about five was it five straight top fives, which he had never had more than four in a year. Then he had a, a top ten last week uh, in a race where he he had led the most laps at Kansas or in Kentucky. Um, he dominated in that first segment and I knew he was going to advance into this race and I think given circumstances if things kind of gotten a little bit more out of hand, I think Eric Almirola might have been a factor to possibly go and and win this deal. Of course, the race was relatively clean so and there was only one group so he wasn't able to really do um, a whole heck of a lot. In terms of a disappointment, somebody that, um, you know, you would have thought could have done a little better. Um, I'll I'll go with, I mean, it, the easy, I, I would say Kurt, but then he got wrecked. So Brad wrecked him or whatever it was early in the race. It was like lap seven, eight, whatever in the race. And he's one of the best drivers ever at Bristol, Kurt Bush. Um, then once the car was wrecked it wasn't good anymore. I, I would go and say Jimmy Johnson, it's your last All Star race. Um, you know, the the twenty four won a stage and made the made the all star race. The eighty eight was up there up front and was able to lead very early and generally was up there all night. And then the nine car uh was, was the dominant figure. So what's what's the deal with, with seven time? You know, they made a big deal about him and, all oh, because it's his last All-Star race. And you would have thought that he'd have showed up and he was nowhere the whole night. I mean, if you finish... I, I mean, honestly, if you finish behind the, the Justin Haley, anybody that finished beyond Justin Haley really has to question what's going on with their car and their team. Um not i mean whatever you want to think about Justin Haley i'm i'm talking more about the team that he drives Fire for right and and, you, and six drivers and teams finished behind that and of course two of them had been involved in wrecks so you could possibly give up that whole deal with Newman and and Kirk Busch but what's the excuse for the other four um so um, yeah. and but I, I picked Jimmy Johnson on that
0: yeah, that's a great pick, Philip. And and you know, you you brought up some good points. The one I I think is you know I think there was a lot of anticipation from a lot of his fans in this race, this last All Star race to short track. And really, the great best point was Hendrick. It wasn't like Hendrick didn't show up. I mean, Bowman was pretty good. I think he kind of got a little bit behind on his track position. He was never really able to gain his gain that, and it was just so hard to pass. Uh, he was never really able to, to find that again uh byron we saw a little bit of flashes from but he wasn't great but jimmy wasn't even anywhere close to being competitive and that's extremely extremely disappointing especially because in the beginning of the year they had some speed at hendrick motorsports and not that you want you know it was win or go home for jimmy johnson and saw star race but as a fan you wanted to see him show up and he didn't he didn't even you know show up in and, and you know, I got a couple other guys that was disappointed. And Newman for sure is one, and and Roush has really had a horrible year this year. And it was an opportunity for Newman to sort of gain some momentum. He's got one top ten this year to gain some momentum. He wasn't able to do that. I think Matt Kenseth again had a really really bad night. Um, just a couple of guys that really stood out to me. And the guys who had a who had a pretty good night. You know, you talked about Amarillo. I was impressed by that. And you know, that kind of leads us into the Open, which is the next uh, thing I want to discuss. Was the was the uh, the All Star Open. Which of course was the uh three stages you had. Um the winner of each stage would advance to the open. As I mentioned earlier, stage one was won by Erica Moroli. he really dominated. Uh stage two was won by William Byron. He um had a huge, huge you know, I think he let every lap in that in that stage and was just had a huge, huge sleep when he when he uh the stage ended. And he took the, the checkered and then it was William, uh, Matthew Benedetto advancing and of course uh Clint Boyer um in on the fan vote a couple of, of notes I want to talk about before the, before we get to the big story from the open uh really the guy I was kind of surprised about was Tyler Reddick um I know he got super aggressive there and uh I think a lot of people sort of expected him to run really good he finished 10th um and he had some damage on his car but he was to me super aggressive he was all over the place last night and that a car Austin Dillon didn't get in either and last night's race, I don't know if people realize this, but last night's race was the first race in the history of the All-Star race that Richard Childress Racing did not have a car in, in it. Uh, you remember back in 85 when this race started, they had Dale Earnhardt of course, and Dale Earnhardt all the way up to 2001, Harvick and the three-car operation, they, they always had a car, Ryan Newman got him in, Austin Dillon the last couple of years, um, but they didn't have a car this year, and it's the first time ever Richard Childress Racing didn't have a car, and Again, that's a team that started off really strong this season, and they've kind of taken a, a step back here as the season's gotten into the middle of the year. But um, it was an interesting open to me. Um, I felt it was a lot more racy, and you know, let's get to the to the main story. And I'm going to let Philip go because I know this accident was near and dear to his heart, and we sort of had a disagreement on it. It was lap 17. Uh, William Byron's or excuse me, Bubba Wallace is running third, and he's he's battling for third with Michael McDowell. McDowell took the pole, was sliding back a little bit, definitely being, uh, I think, a little bit more aggressive than what we normally see from Michael McDowell. I think he knew what track position was, how important it was going to be throughout the night, and was trying to stay up as close to the front as he could. Can't really blame him there, but there was definitely contact between the 43 and the 34. Um, The 34 definitely came down on the 43 made contact. I felt the 24 came up. And just tipped the 34 a little bit and got him a little bit sideways and slid into the 43. Uh, Philip, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I believe you thought it was an intentional move by the 34 because a little bit of a rough driving with the 43 early in the race. But what were your thoughts when you saw the a while spinning and hitting the wall in the accident with Michael McDowell?
1: It was convenient, uh, you know. Michael McDowell, has, his career has basically been known for. Uh, wrecking a Texas and Michael Waltrip's double zero car and um, you know getting his butt whipped by Daniel Suarez and uh, you know backing into one Xfinity win for RCR uh, at Road America and uh, figuring out a way to suck in the 18 car um, like David Reagan did as well I'm sorry Clayton but uh, he did suck in the 18 car as well um, when Kyle Bush is out, um, that's Michael McDowell's career. Um, he had a foot off the wall, uh, turned down, um, hook somebody in the right rear. Dale Earnhardt Jr. said it when you hook somebody, or Kevin Harvick. I, don't know, I think it was Dale Jr. and probably Kevin Harvick. Who knows? When you hook somebody in the right rear, um, it's that's that's Bush League. Um, Freddie Craft uh Bubba's uh spotter said it, you know, William Byron said it. He didn't he said he didn't make contact with her that it happen after the contact happened after he had he he got the contact happened before he got into him. Um the spotter, Kevin Hamlin, was also saying that too. So um fundamentally, um, for people who love Quinn Boyer and people who Ate bubble walls. They got what they wanted. Um, destroyed a good race car. Honestly, he was going to be able to make it on merit. I think. Uh, so for the people, that wanted to cry wolf and uh, say that he didn't deserve to be in. I think he was going to make it on merit anyway. But Michael McDowell took him out 17 laps into into the halfway into the first stage, and um, he for no reason, uh, honestly, um, and it, it was just a waste. And, and there's pathetic. Um, and then the comments that he said uh, afterwards were in frustration. But then, of course, when you consider who's going to be mad about it, they're going to say, oh, well, you're bringing into this then. It's called he's a fraud. That's really what it is. It's the same way as like Casey Mears is a fraud, you know, Jamie McCurry, you know, et cetera, et cetera. People who show themselves to be one way, but really they are another way. It's the same thing with Michael McDowell. It's a reason why he's never – been anywhere, um, in his career. And, uh, you, people like that do that sort of thing. So, um, it was, it was unnecessary. It, it didn't have to happen. Uh, it, it was, it was when you turn hook somebody in the right rear, it's just BS, uh, to me, yeah. whether, whoever the driver is, it is that it, it was just wrong, but then that's just me.
0: Well, and, and you certainly, uh, have a right to feel that way. And and I don't want to to say anything not to feel that way. And it, let, let me say the first thing you said, one of the things you said was absolutely true. I think Bubba had a really, really fast race car last night. There's no question. I think he, he worked his way up from sixth to third, battling for third, and it looked like he was going to be able to easily catch second. I don't know if he would have won stage one because I'm a roller was just that fast, but he certainly would have been able to get up there and compete for a, a victory in stage two or three. And that was taken from him. Uh, you know, there's no question about that. That accident stunk. you know. But uh, to me, it was a, a thing where I thought, and I, I don't really care what the spotters say because they're going to back their driver no matter what. Uh, so to me, that's totally irrelevant. Um, but I think it was the 24 that, that it looked like to me the 24 slid up. just a, and, and these cars are so out of control and so on the edge, I should say, that I felt like if he's just slid into him just a hair, and it just got Michael McDowell who was going into a corner uh, just a little bit sideways and slid into Bubba. You know, I would love to have heard what McDowell said. We never really got that side. I don't know if it was just that he didn't want to talk or nobody really wanted to ask his opinion. I would love to have heard his side of the story. I haven't really read that anywhere. And I think for Michael McDowell, uh, if he declined to comment on it, I think that's, that's a real shame on his part because – you know, it, we want to hear it. And and to me, I always say, if you wreck somebody, and you can't back it, and if let's say McDowell and I'm totally wrong and you're right, Philip, and McDowell came out and said, "Listen, I took him out," uh, or he said, "No, I didn't, I didn't wreck him, but the 24 didn't make contact with me." Well, if the 24 didn't make contact with him, he turned left and wrecked him. Uh, but come out and admit it. If you're going to sit there and say, "Listen, I was pissed off at the 43. I thought he, I thought he ran me too hard in the corner, which I would have disagreed with. I was pissed off at him." Uh, and i let my you know, my emotions get the best of me and i turned left and wrecked him i regretted it as soon as i did it it was a it was a mistake on my part something like that or even listen i don't really care what the 43 thinks he's been running me all like like a jerk all year and i finally had enough of it something give us something you know you, to to kind of you know not really give an opinion on that to me was a little bit of a mistake on michael mcdowell's part um but yeah it was certainly it was certainly the uh the moment of the of the night in the open for sure. Just because uh, you know, Bubba Wallace is you know, such a popular guy, uh at that point we all thought he was gonna be the fan vote guy. We found out later that Clint Boyer actually had won it outright. Um, uh, but we all thought that was the fan vote, so that kinda put a little wrench into everybody's plans as far as who's gonna advance into the open. Um and you know, as far as his comments are concerned, I, I certainly don't blame him for being frustrated You would be frustrated, too, if you got wrecked out of third, 17 laps into an all-star race. We really thought you had a chance to advance. Um, I do think Bubba might have said some things there that he probably regrets, and I'll let him slide. Listen, I always say when these kids are 20-something years old, and and I'm not sure exactly Bubba's age, but we used to do the same thing with Kyle Bush. Now, Kyle gets a little older, and he still uh, acts, acts immature at times. But, you know, these guys are thrown into pressure situations, In big-time stock car racing at a young age. I can't even imagine what I would have said at 25, 26 years old if I got wrecked. So I give him a little bit of a break as far as what he said. He has a right to be – he had certainly a right to be upset. But to me, that was the biggest missing part to this was we never really got Michael McDowell's side to the story. You you mentioned Kevin Hamlin went out on Twitter and said what he felt, which is a Byron spotter. We never really heard um, anything from – you know, Rocky Ryan, the spotter from the 34, or Michael McDowell, the driver of the 34. And to me, that would have been if Fox didn't do their job and, and interview, try and interview McDowell, shame on them. And I would have loved to have heard from him just to get his side. You know, just to say, at least give us an idea of what really happened and the way he felt it happened, because I don't like just having one guy, um, you know, give one, one opinion and then not really having another and kind of judging from there. So, um, you know, that, that's really what that was. And, and, you know, as far as the Open was concerned, um, you know, there was another accident, a small accident with 37 and 38 with uh, Ryan Priest. He's had a really tough year this year. And John Hunter Nemechek, Priest ended up uh, 13th. John Hunter ended up 8th. But, really, that was it. You know, it, it was the bubble wall strike. There was a lot of things going on. Uh, Tyler Reddick had some issues. Uh, but other than that, it was – You know, a normal open. I I like the fact that the guys are really racing hard. It felt like the daytime really helped them. Um, Next subject here, how about the uh, Spencer, Spencer, you brought this up earlier. I want to reiterate it. I want to touch back and and really um, discuss this at at a little bit of a length here with Philip as well, but we'll go to you first. You talked about moving this race to another racetrack and you brought up the possibility of SMI. I do think it needs to stay at an SMI racetrack, but do you have a, a, a track in mind here where you'd like to see this all-star race venture off to? I mean, Bristol was sort of everybody's dream because it's SMI, it's closer to Charlotte than a lot of other racetracks. Um, is it, are you okay with keeping it at Bristol? Or is there a track you look at and say, man, I'd really like to see them go, you know, New Hampshire, Las Vegas, uh, Texas, somewhere else that SMI owns. Where do you want them to to move that race if they were to move it what would be the, the next track that you would have on your list
2: oh man um, sure wouldn't be Atlanta that's for sure um, I don't know I I I would really want to keep it as at a short track um, oh I you know if you know, if you're gonna keep it at, you know, why go to Texas and Las Vegas? You might as well just keep it at Charlotte. Um, those racetracks are very similar. Uh, yep. So I would, I would. At the best option right now is probably Bristol. If you want to see exciting short track racing, that's probably. Um, yeah, New Hampshire is, and eh, somewhat short track. It's basically that track reminds me of a bigger Martinsville. Um, right. It's so, if people said hey i want bristol i you know i want to see short track racing that you just got to keep it there um i think that is the best place you're going to see the best race um out of the SMI racetracks so i mean if people don't if people just want to see it at different racetracks and really don't care what kind of results, and you know have a fan vote and you know wherever you know where the highest track with the most votes that's where we
0: go so um but i
2: would out of those tracks that they own bristol's probably the most
0: exciting one to keep it at. See, and I hate to play no fun because uh, I think this is a discussion on Reddit. They, they talk about maybe moving it, and I'm like, well, you can't really move it because SMI has a lot of, you know, has sort of a stranglehold on it. And, you know, people talk about going out to Vegas, and I mean the teams aren't going to want to travel far. I think that's a big problem with New Hampshire as well. They're not going to want to go all the way out west. You know, next year if we have practice, and, and who knows what the, what the what next year is going to look like. But if we have practice next year, they're not going to want to go out a day before all the way to Las Vegas and say, "Yeah, we're going to load up our cars, bring them out there for a non-points race." You know, where we're not going to make it unless we win. We don't really make a lot of money. Um, So, and you're right, it might as well just go to Charlotte at that point. So, uh, it is interesting that a lot of people are talking about moving it. You know, to me, Bristol is almost a natural place. But, um, Philip, how about you? I mean, am I missing something here, or? Do you think this is sort of at Bristol, Charlotte, Atlanta, those three tracks of rotation or just Bristol and Charlotte or just at this point, Bristol? Um, what are your thoughts on, on maybe potentially moving that all-star race? Uh, and, you know, give me a track that you might think that is obscure that, you know, maybe, maybe there's an option where, you know, in a couple of years here, if Bristol or SMI, excuse me, works out a deal with, with the Nashville fairgrounds, they might put it there. Uh, in a couple of years, there was that was that was a thought before they 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 talked about going to Super Speedway at Nashville. Uh, but what are your thoughts on on potentially moving this All Star race if they can?
1: If they're going to move the All Star race outside of you know Charlotte or Bristol, um, the only place that kind of stands out is Vegas because you could promote it in terms of, you know, using casinos. You can get Brendan gone when he's not with COVID. You know, he can go and promote it with South Point. You can do some things with that. Um, you can connect it with, like, a later West Coast swing, running some night races, midweek races during the summer for, like, 21. Um Because Phoenix is going to end up, it sounds like, uh, having the finale again in 21. Uh, So you could move the first Phoenix race out of the middle of the year, the start of the year, and move it into the middle of the year right after the All Star race. You know, like that would be an idea. Um, Other than that, they're not going to run Snoroma, they're not going to run a road course. I mean if they're gonna run a road course, they'll just run the Roval, um which in its own right isn't great but um they if they prepared bristol uh better, if they figure out a way to make the segments a different length or whatever you give two lines, Bristol can be fine it'll be the that'd probably be the best s m i track to have this all star race um I would say. Yeah i I feel like Atlanta would be fine because tires wear out um if you have very short segments at Atlanta and you're having to run really hard, people are gonna be up against it, trying to run up against the fence there's gonna be some wrecking there's gonna be some spinning um and if you run if you're in the seven fifty package at Atlanta short segments, I think that would be interesting, but you know, if it isn't Vegas, um, I don't think Atlanta would be in play either, as Spencer said. Um, it, it either has to be Bristol or it has to be Charlotte, whether it's the World or the Oval. Um, but I would de- I would definitely sign for Nationals' fairgrounds, but that ain't going to happen as of now, either.
0: No. Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, certainly something that I would love to see in the future, but you know, and and that's the thing. You know, unfortunately, that's the business behind this sport is that you know, a um, uh, it has to be an SMI track. Something I'm interested in, and, and maybe they, they can move. You know, that you brought up, Philip. I like that. Where you know, hey, maybe throw it in the midweek. If you're out west, just throw it to Vegas and, and call it a day. Maybe even you know, if you want to uh, put it, at the, you know, the end of the season. Supposedly, now I don't. We haven't gotten the schedule yet, but supposedly the season is going to end. In, in the beginning of October next year, maybe do a one-off race in January out west uh, in in a warm weather and just say, hey, you know what, we're going to do the all-star race or something like that, something crazy like that. That would be a lot of fun. But, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves there uh, for the all-star race. And so there was a lot of, of new things last night, a couple of new things, and uh, I want to touch on. First of all, let's discuss um, the numbers that have moved from the door from right underneath, I guess, the door to, you know, right before the tire. Spencer, I want to get your take on it. What were your thoughts? Did you, did you like the numbers there? Did you not mind them? Did you, were you okay with it? Uh, what were your thoughts on, on the numbers kicking back a little bit from where they normally are in a cup car?
2: They kicked them back. Now they can kick them back forward. That's the way I see it. Um, I mean, numbers don't belong there. They, they belong on the door. And that's just the way it's been forever. Why change it? If it ain't broken, do not change it. Um, you know this. I feel like this is NASCAR trying to lean its way towards IMSA. I mean, this is NASCAR, and I can't. You know, I can't preach it enough. Numbers go on the door. Stop trying to be like some other motorsports. We're not IndyCar. We aren't IMSA. This is NASCAR. This is stock car racing. You know what I mean? I mean they just don't belong there. Um, there was only a few cars that looked good just because of their sponsor. I thought Blaney's fit perfect because he had the, the body armor bottles placed where the uh, number used to go. Only a certain paint schemes worked for that type of deal. But as far as the other ones, I mean, I get new sponsors coming in great. I think that's perfect, Bring more money into the sport. I mean, you can't ask for anything better than that, than new sponsors coming in. Um, A lot of the cars you saw last night, the number was moved back, and they just put the corner panel sponsor where the number used to go. Um, I just don't see the point of – I just – I really don't. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into the light thing uh, after this, so I'll give you my word to come that. But numbers is a no-go for me.
0: So it was interesting. You know, I, I initially hated it, and I still don't care for it. I want to go on the record and say I still don't care for it. But you brought up a good point about Blaney. I thought Blaney's was done very, very well. Now, if they're going to do this, and, and here's the reason why I'm going to say what I'm going to say, because I don't think they really give crap what I think or what you think or what Philip thinks. I think they're going to just do this anyway. Um, so, if, if if and when they do this, I hope there's a regulation where they say, listen, the number's got to be this big. You can only put the sponsor this this up to right here, and then and then you know you have to have the number. Because there were some cars, like you said, Blaney looked fine. I thought Harvick looked horrendous. There were some cars that looked better than others, and it was just because the numbers were bigger in some cars, and the numbers were smaller in some cars, it didn't really look uniform. And I feel like if it looked uniform, we could all accept it a little bit better. If the number was bigger, we could all accept it a little bit better. You know, I saw a rendering on on Facebook, or excuse me, on Twitter today from an Xfinity team. They had a number on the uh, corner panel, and I really think, unfortunately, that's what we're heading to, is a number on a corner panel, which I would hate. Uh, But I think more uniform would be a good thing. How about you, Philip? You on the numbers there? You're a little bit more of a um, of a broader race fan, as far as liking other uh, series and, and other div- racing divisions more than I certainly do. Um, but what were your thoughts on the numbers? Sort of sk- kicking back a little bit.
1: I I mean, honestly, I wasn't a fan of it, and last night didn't make me. Uh, like it anymore uh, or, or less. It just was what it is. Uh, the point, I guess, is NASCAR is throwing it as the trial balloon based on the Gen 7 and the car looking tighter and they're going to have less space to put sponsorships. So then they're going to go and um, they need to move it back to that spot. Um, you know, I look at the way that they've incorporated certain things with the V8 supercars, like with the transmission. Uh, they're gonna use the same gearbox and, and trans, whatever, as the V8 supercars. And they have their numbers in the, in the window, like where behind this, the B pillar, and they have the number over there. They've, they've kind of screwed with that as it is, especially when it comes to the Camaro um, body. So I don't think they're going to do that. They can't do that. So they're going to have to have a uniform setup, as you said, to go and make the numbers work and whatever. You need to go and look at things like that. If they design it based on having the number there and they have time to do it, Maybe they make them look better, but honestly, as Spencer said, I'm i used to it being in the in on the door. I I think that's the way it should be. It's a way it's a way to go and differentiate yourself from from uh, other theories that are that have sedans or have um, two door cars. You know, the IMSA has it in behind the front wheel you have trans am which is all over the place some of them are in front of the front wheel some of them have it right on the door some of them have it be in front of the rear wheel etc cetera, etc cetera. so i mean personally i'm i'm a uh, i i i'm a old school guy i'd rather it be on the door but you know we'll see what nascar
0: does because nascar is how they are right and that's the thing you know there's things where I feel like we can fight on, and I don't think that's what we're gonna be able to do because the RTA really wants that to happen. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. That's the number to call. Next thing I want to discuss is let's talk about the lights under the car for a second. I go to Philip first and Spencer. I know Spencer really wants to get in on this too, so we'll save him for last. But um, you know, a lot of people hated it. I didn't like it. And I'll tell you what really bothered me about the number of the lights underneath the cars. It it looked you know, I couldn't – I liked it when, when – you looked at, like, Clint Boyer on the track because he didn't have have a light because he advanced from the open. Uh, I felt like he just – the car, you could see it better on the racetrack. It just looked, you know, like it stood out a little bit more. And I felt like the, the, the color underneath the car was just – it looked awful. Uh, I thought the back end was stupid because he didn't have it in the front end either. I don't know why they decided to do that. Um, you know, I didn't like the fact that, the, that some of those – colors didn't match the paint schemes either, uh, but I think the manufacturers wanted that. I think this was more of a brand identity to try and get the manufacturers a little bit more brand identity, but um, Philip, what were your thoughts on, on the lights underneath the car there that they tried last night the All-Star Race?
1: Yeah, it was a waste of time. Uh, they, they were marketing it based on how uh, Kurt Bush had the lights around the whole car like he did in Nashville last Um, last November or December or wherever, whenever they had the the awards banquet. um, In the end, they half-assed it and they just put it on the back. Then on top of them, half-assing it, then they go and do it, oh, we do it based on manufacturers. So then the Chevys looked like they were all on fire. Um, The Toyotas were red. And then the the blue, the Ford was blue. Um, if you had allowed them to run the lights uh, around the whole entire car, Fast and a Furious style, and you ran it based on the paint scheme, like what Kurt Busch did and whoever else did during that little, uh, whatever, say deal, burnout deal they had in Nashville, it might have looked good. Uh, I, I remember, uh, I don't know who exactly wrote it on Twitter, but it's like, you know, what would also help is to go and make the lights look better and if you had them all across the whole car, if you got them off the freaking ground, which is something that could fix a lot of things with the way NASCAR is and the way racing is. Um, it's corny. It, it was cheesy. Um, they, of course, missed with it. The NASCAR Fan Council, they're trying to figure out if people want to see lights under the cars during points or trucks during points races for all the, any of the big three series. So obviously they're thinking about this as a trial balloon to, to go on for other races, um, for night races. So um, uh, that's not something I want to see, but who knows um, who they, they cater to in, in that sense.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. You know, you brought up a lot of good points, and it's just I think you hit the nail on all of them. Um, you know, I, I, I just, to me, the car really stood out more. But, Spencer, I know you, you mentioned earlier you wanted to get on if I'll let you uh, have at it. What did you think about the lights?
2: A waste of time. Um, I was It was horrible. Uh, I thought, you know, they kept preaching it was going to be like burnout. Be like the burnout. If they had a green light under Kurt Busch's car like he did, perfect. Only for the all-star race. I'm not saying go do it for all 36 races of the year. Do not do that. That would be terrible. Um, but it literally looked like they took a yellow light bulb, put it in my house, and dangled it from the back of the Chevy. It, it I mean... The manufacturers want more exposure. I don't know what else they can get. They're running your style car. I mean, it's it's the car. I mean, how much more exposure do you need? A little yellow light dangling from the back is not going to give you more exposure, I can tell you that. If a front bumper and your logo on that race car doesn't do you good enough, well, then leave the sport. Because you can't get much better than that. I mean, and unless you sponsor the race car as Chevy, that's all you can get, really. I mean, seriously. Um. If, you know, if Ryan Blaney had a badass red LED light all under the car, perfect. But this was dumb. A little blue light dangling in the back of the race car was a joke. Um, I think it was a waste of time for the teams. I hope they didn't pay a lot for them because as an owner, I would be upset. I'm not going to go take the money that the sponsors give me, spend thousands of dollars on these lights to go underneath the race car. It doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't make my car faster. You know, it doesn't make the performance of my yeah. car any better. So. Um I thought it, it was a pretty awful job with the selection of lights they went with. Um I got news for if you put bright enough LED lights under that race car, it will come through even with the, uh as low as those race cars are. So um I thought it was a waste of time. For the All Star race, why not try it? But
0: I wish it was a little better. Yeah, it was uh it was certainly a disaster to me too. I I, I do think it's a car it would be awesome if they said, you know, let's let's take the uh this little off the car and put a valence on it so we can see the lights better. I'd be like, listen, I'll I'll take lights under a car if you want to do that. And that's the reason why we're going to do that. But um yeah, I, I agree. You you hit the nail on the head too. It was it was a it was a, a failure. There's no question about that. I thought they half at they certainly, as Philip said, half asked it. Um, you know, if you want to do it right. And I felt like even they didn't even really announce it until this week. You know, we kind of knew the numbers were going to happen uh, for a couple of weeks here they didn't really announce the lights until those weeks. It was almost like it was rushed, like, let's just do it, let's just do it, let's just do it, and it was kind of like, well, that was stupid. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I think the lights were dumb. And uh, how about the, the, the choose rule? We didn't get really much to see because I thought Fox did a horrific job uh, showing, and they, they explained it early in the broadcast, but showing it as far as actually happen, happening and, you know, coming off the breaks, they, they don't leave any time for, uh, during the breaks to to uh, to explain it, And I think really the problem with that was it was a short track, so they they cautions went quick, so they tried to they didn't really have a lot of time to show hey this is who went where kind of deal, um, so we didn't really get to see it in action I should say, but for all intents and purposes, and I don't want to you know I don't really know if there's much else to say, they really didn't cause an issue last night, uh, I thought it helped the racing a little bit, you know like I said I would have liked to have seen where they um, said hey this guy came out in the lead in the pits he took the outside lane this guy was second I have like a, a thing saying in out in out or inside outside lane out 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 in, in you know so we could go oh wow so he would have restarted sixth or fifth and now he's restarting technically what we would know as second but the first one on the inside so um it it would have been interesting that way i think fans would have been more engaged and hopefully nbc with a little bit more preparation if they do, do decide to do this choose cone here in the next uh, couple of weeks with a little bit more preparation can figure it out and figure out how they want to do that because I thought Fox totally blew it last night as far as it's, it's showing it in action to choose rule. But it really didn't cause any issues that I noticed too much last night. Okay, guys, want to get the Texas uh, opinion here. You know, it's a triple header weekend. Trucks and Xfinity on Saturday and the Cup Series race, of course, on Sunday. Um, I'll go to Philip first here. Uh, how about the Truck Series prediction? Kyle Bush is in a truck race. Uh, is he your favorite to win this thing, this this week, this race here on Saturday?
1: Yeah, it's his last race of the season in the truck. Uh, he's he's mad.
0: He finished
1: second in the All Star race, so he's probably even more wound up about that. You know, Brexton's now driving, so now he has to keep up his end of the bargain, too. So he gets his chicken and dinner. So um, I figure he'll go and uh win the truck series race. It's his last race. I mean um Spencer's boys in there too. Ross Chastain, uh favorite here of uh talk, yeah, he talking is. in circles too. So um he's definitely gonna be in there making Kyle work for it. But uh for me I'm gonna I'll I'll go with the easy uh choice. I'll take the low hanging fruit
0: and I'll go with Kyle yeah, and the uh, starting lineup is announced for um, the Truck Series race. And uh, if you're wondering where uh, these guys are starting, you can go to jsky.com But for the record, you know, we'll just give you a couple of big guys. Cobblish for the Truck Series race is starting fourth. You know, Sheldon Creed on a pole, then it's Grand Infinger, Austin Hill Cobblish. Todd Gill, Zane Smith, Christian Eckes, uh, Brett Moffitt, Tyler Ankrum, and Ben Rhodes, the top ten. Matt Crafton starting 15th, Tom Majewski's 11th. Justin Haley starts 13th um, Stuart Friesen 18th Raphael Assar 16th So Johnny Sauter's all the way back in 21st He's won here a lot Solder's got four truck series wins at Texas If he wants to do that again He's going to have to come to the 21st to do that Ross Justin as we mentioned earlier He's in this race as well He'll start 24th So he's got a long way to go If he wants to win this race as well How about you Spencer? Who do you got winning this truck race?
2: Uh well, he's been so close, and he's brought fast race cars. It's either going between the 42 and the um, 8, well, whatever, 51 or whatever he's running. Out of um, I don't know. But I, you know, I'm going to be a little biased, and I'm going to have to go with Ross. Um, I hope he. I want to see it win this year. I really do. And no matter what series it is. Um, so yeah, I think he's got a new sponsor. Truck looks great. I don't know if you guys seen it. You, it's on my Twitter. Um, but the truck looks good. And uh, has a big American flag on the trunk, so uh, represent America at Texas, and um, hopefully he can cross the line first and collect check flag and smash a melon. So, um,
0: yeah, <laughs> that would be good good to see because he's had a year where he hasn't really visited Victory Lane yet at all. Uh, Xfinity's been a real tough year. He got off to a real tough start. He's been running a little bit better in Xfinity, but it would be interesting to see how he performs in the check series. Yeah, hey, that's that's um. Saturday, that's after the truck's Xfinity Series race, excuse me, um, for the uh, Banco 250. That race will start uh, at 7 o'clock, excuse me, 8 o'clock. It looks like Eastern Time here. If you're in the Eastern Time Zone, it looks like that's when that race will start. 8 o'clock for the truck series on Saturday. It's after the Xfinity race, which we'll discuss next. The Xfinity race on Saturday, my barracudic Solutions 300. Uh, Michael, Annette's on the poll. It's at Burton's second uh, Austin Cedric, t- Justin Allgaier and Riley Herbst are the top five. Brandon Jones, Harrison Burton, Ross Chastain, Noah Gregson, and Anthony Alfredo runs at like your top ten. Briscoe starts 12th, um, and really as far as guys who can win it, uh, Justin Haley is 11th. That's really going to be it as far as guys who can win. Kyle Bush, excuse me, of course, Kyle Bush, starting 28th in the 54 car. That 54 car doesn't have a lot of points because he only runs it when Kyle runs it. Uh, but he's starting 28th in a Twix cookie-and-cream Toyota. So uh, I'll go with you this time, Spencer. I'll ask you the same question I asked Philip. Anybody got anything for Kyle Bush in the 20 series? Uh,
2: it's going to be tough. Uh, it really is. Uh, it's, I mean, it's so hard to bet against it. And, that's and then, you know, that's a compliment to Kyle Busch. That's how great he is. Um, you know, he gets in these – Xfinity and truck cars that's a whole nother ball game you know you might as well sit there and just go ahead and put his name on the trophy down at the bottom and have you know his sponsors uh, billboards and Victory Lane ready to go because um, it's I mean, the odds they' very are the odds are in his favor that's for sure so I mean you know you got the college cars they've been running really really good uh, even Haley not just Ross so there's a few guys Briscoe, I mean you got to look at him in the 98 store Haas. So there's definitely a few guys in the field that are gonna give um uh, uh Bush a run for his money. So um uh, but and the car that he's running, the Twix Cookies and Cream car looks good. I uh think it's a nice paint scheme. But but uh yeah, besides that, there's those guys are gonna probably give him a run for his money. And I'd like to see Algar come up and do something. Um I'd like to see him getting victory lane. I think he's a good guy for the sport. So yeah, um anybody but Kyle Bush, I guess. <laughs>
0: That used to be the saying back in the day. Anybody but Earnhardt. Now you're saying anybody but Kyle Busch. But uh, Austin Cedric's a guy you got to look at too. He he really had a good weekend at Kentucky last week, and, and this is sort of another mile and a half racetrack. He's starting up in third. He'll be somebody to keep an eye on. How about you, Philip? Who do you got winning this Xfinity race?
1: I mean, if it isn't going to be Kyle Busch, I'll I'll go with somebody
0: at uh, Gibbs.
1: I'll go with Harrison Burton. Uh, he's uh, had a rough uh, stretch after those 10 straight top 10s to start his Xfinity career. He's had a rough little go here, but Harrison Burton's just been quiet generally and kind of sneaks up there and uh, is able to go and get a victory. He's kind of given up a little bit of ground to, of course, Chase and Gregson uh, uh, even lost. Uh, in recent races because he's been able to make up some ground that he lost early in the year. Um, That would be one guy, I think, uh, a pseudo wild card. I mean, you look at Gumby after, it's a similar configuration racetrack, of course, SMI um, track. So they could bring basically whichever car they felt was better um, and go out there Texas on on Saturday afternoon and maybe get another win. Uh, I think a wild card possibility would be Alfredo to go and uh, get his first career win there, Deathwish Coffee, Chevy. Um, That would be something. RCR um, would be cool to see that, a first-time winner. Uh, But I I have a hard time figuring that's going to happen because Kyle Busch is in the
0: Yeah, anytime Kyle's in these Xfinity races, like Spencer said, Xfinity of trucks, you know, you got a pretty good chance of seeing him in victory lane. Uh, he just comes out and dominates these. But there are some good Xfinity. You know, there's not a lot of, of not a there's not a ton of quant, quantity in that race, but the quality is pretty good. You got a lot of drivers up there who in the top 12 who can really anybody really can win uh, in that top 12. And then we go back from there. It's, it's a long shot, but. Uh, anybody can really win. I want to see what Ryan Sieg does. He's starting 18th. You know, he's at the back end of these playoffs, and he's really trying to focus in on making the playoffs. So I'll see how uh, he, he performs. I think pract- not having practice really hurt that 30 19. Uh, so we'll see what he can do. Okay, Cup Series race, guys. Of course, it is the uh, 500 mile O'Reilly Auto Parts 500 from Texas Motor Speedway. The lineup is out. It came out today. Eric on the roll is on a pole. Seems like he gets a good draw every single week. Uh, Ryan Blaney, second, and it's Kurt Bush, then Kyle Busch, uh Kevin Hardwick, Brad Kozlowski, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Joe Logano, Martin Truex Jr., top ten, uh, Matty Benedetto, Alex Bowman, 11th and 12th. You have Bubba Wallace in 14th, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 13th, the Rouse guys, 15th and 16th, Newman and Buescher, Boyer 17th, Byron 18th, Cole Custer 19th, Jimmy Johnson 20th, Matt Kenseth, if you're a fan of him, he'll start 22nd, Austin Dillon 21st, uh, Eric Jones starts 23rd, and that's really it. Uh, John harden check if you're a fan of him, starts 28th. Uh, so that is just the to uh, If you're cornered, with uh, Christopher Bell, he's 33rd on the grid. A little bit better than the way he normally draws, but still not great. I uh, just can't seem to get that draw up in 25th where it needs to. But uh, I'll start with you, Philip. I started with Spencer last time. Your pick to win the uh, Cup Series race at Texas.
1: Yeah, this one's a little more uh, difficult. Uh, you... You look at the guys that have been doing well, whether it's Harvick or Hamlin or or, or straightforward pick. Um, I'll as long as and I'm going to put this qualifier up there. As long as Truex actually passes inspection, which definitely is something that is a problem. Um, I think it's also convenient that it's always Martin Truex that doesn't pass inspection. I think that um, if he's able to keep the 10th starting position, um, I feel like he'll be able to get up there, uh, get some stage, like a playoff point, stage points, and do his usual thing on the mile and a half and go out there and uh, win on Sunday. That's if he is able to pass inspection. Otherwise, I'll go out there and I'll say that Al Marola, yeah, he's starting on pole. He finally gets a win at a non-plate uh, track uh, with the 10-call. Uh, uh,
0: the last two winners of this track, Denny Hamlin and uh, Kevin Harvick, they happen to be the, the winningest driver so far here in 2020. So something to keep an eye on. How about you, Spencer? Who else? Who do you got winning this truck? Uh, this Cup Series race, excuse me, at Texas Motor Speedway.
1: Um,
2: you know it's going to be hard to, you know, go against Harvick. You know he's been so strong at this racetrack. Um,
0: you know he has a
2: win in 2017 there, and he also has a win in 2019 there. And um, so I mean, and plus he's been so dominant this year so far, so had a really fast race car something with him and ronnie children that whole four crew is clicking i mean every year they seem to go on this tear. and you know when that team's hot they're hot you know so it's going to be hard to go against him um uh, but then i guess you can look at the 12 too uh, i think it's you know he, he's bringing really really good race cars and um you know this is probably his breakout year i would say um uh and plus i'd like I would like to think it would be his breakout year. You know, you're kind of sitting here wondering, when is he going to come? When is he going to knock off a couple wins and not just get one here, one here, you know, one a year? And But I think uh, either the four or the 12, they're going to be the guys to beat. And that was a great pick by Phillip, too. You know, the guy's been unbelievably at drawing picks. Um, it feels like he's on the pole every week. But, you know, if he yeah, picks 10, I'm going to pick the four or the 12. So
0: All right, I'll go to 11 because I think Hamlin's going to be really, really strong. This weekend as well uh, You know, but you brought up a good point about Blaney It's it's a season right now Where he needs to start winning some races You know, you can be consistent all you want But you have to start closing the deal uh, I'd like to see what Di Benedetto can do as well um, You know, he's had a pretty good year so far But, you know, if he wants to put himself Into the conversation Remember, he has a one-year contract At that 21 car, and he hasn't re-upped yet So, uh, you know, he And he's done a very good job But these next couple of races here This regular season, if he can really run strong and solidify himself in that 21 car. That would be a big benefit to him. Uh, also, you've got the Roush cars I'm interested to keep an eye on. Ken Jimmy Johnson, have a strong weekend. He stores it back into the playoffs as well. So lots to keep an eye on here uh, in the Cup Series, Xfinity Series, and Truck Series racing at Texas Motor Speedway. We'll have a show Monday recapping it all for you uh, here on Talking in Circle. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Good night, everybody.